it truly is the bedrock of self-care, literally self-care, right? Make sure that that foundation is solid so that you're able to go and thrive and, and go after those goals and enjoy your life as much as possible. And I think, you know, particularly for women, we often fall into the role of caretaker. I think there's a balance between trying to set our own boundaries when possible. And also, you know, that's a wonderful opportunity to help advocate. It's going to make that person's life better. It's going to make your life better. Welcome to the Be It Till You See It podcast, where we talk about taking messy action, knowing that perfect is boring. I'm Leslie Logan, Pilates instructor and fitness business coach. I've trained thousands of people around the world, and the number one thing I see stopping people from achieving anything is self-doubt. My friends, action brings clarity, and it's the antidote to fear. Each week, my guests will bring bold, executable, intrinsic, and targeted steps that you can use to put yourself first and be it till you see it. It's a practice, not a perfect. Let's get started. Hey, love, how are you? We had so much amazing feedback from a recent episode with Jessica Volant about advocating for your health that I wanted to bring in an actual health advocate. And this person's a dear friend of mine. You'll hear why. And you might be wondering, like, Leslie, why we're talking about this, like, how does this work? And I can't wait for you to get to the part of the episode where it really becomes crystal clear why we're talking about this. But just in case you're like, I don't know, should I... I keep going, or should I just like listen to the next thing? I need you to hear me out. You are not just a compartmented person where you can go, I'm going to ignore what's happening over there, and I'm just going to go over here, and I'm going to like zero in on this thing, and I'm just going to work on this goal that I have over here, and I'm going to ignore this thing over here. You can't do that, especially when it's your health. It's a little easier if you don't like your neighbor, you can shut the door. <laughs> you can like refocus your thoughts probably, but when it comes to your health, if your health is not at an optimal level for you, it is going to affect your ability to be it till you see it. And we've talked about that with different guests like Dr. Bender. And then we had on Jen Pike where they talked about the different hormone levels and the different things that could be going on with your health that could actually affect you showing up fully in this day as who you want to be in that moment, right? And so it is important for me to give you tools to help you be it till you see it, but they can't always just be strategy. They can't just be mindset. They have to sometimes be things that are foundational to you being more of who you are. And that is making sure that you advocate for your health, for yourself. It is the ultimate form of self-care. So without further ado, Lindsay Moore as our guest, and I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. So dive in real quick. Um, she lives in a really beautiful, amazing space. And like a lot of beautiful, amazing spaces, the internet is often a little wonky. So I apologize. There might be a couple glitches in there that we had, but for the most part, I was able to capture all of the best audio for you. Um, and I think you'll, you'll get that. If you are someone who watches on our YouTube channel, we'll just have a couple of clips um, due to uh, the those internet things. So just a heads up on this episode, it is a little bit unique, but I promise you, the words are amazing. The tips are unbelievable. And you are going to want to share this with a friend, a family member, someone in your life who is needing to find ways to take care of themselves, especially in like sometimes the, it's going to be the most essential meetings that they might have about their health. So here is Lindsay. 
Planet loves, it's here. OPC Summer Camp. You know that thing we started last year? Well, we're doing it again this year and we're making it bigger and better than ever because we have teachers from all over the world, which means all day long, you can nerd out with me at Camp Zoom from the comfort of your own home in your favorite Pilates workout outfit without having to get bugs or dirt or weird camp food that's like some weird slot. No, you can have the amazing food from your own home. You can be whatever clothes you want to be in and you can join us all day long for whatever workouts and workshops you sign up for. In fact, you can even do a whole day pass and save the most money. In fact, up to 56% off if you buy the day pass. So go to opc.me slash events to see the full schedule and lineup of events. If you only have access to a mat, we've got plenty of stuff for you. We've got Reformer. We've got some happy hip Reformer with you. We've got so many amazing things. You can go to opc.me slash events to see the whole schedule, all 14 teachers, and all the goodness that's going to happen at Camp Zoom. And I'm your camp director. Woo! Hey, Viet listener. I'm actually just like, I'm kind of giddy right now. Normally I don't do um, an interview or a call before 9 a.m. Pacific time, but I, today's guest is someone who has seen me before 9 a.m. Pacific time, so I'm really excited. I've known this woman for many, many years, and it's been incredible to watch her life evolve and transform, and so now Lindsay Moore is our guest this week, and if you were ever in my life before, you may have gotten an email from a Lindsay, and this is my old executive assistant. Um, she is doing wonderful things in this world. Lindsay, will you tell everyone who you are and what you're doing now? Sure. Um, thank you for the amazing intro, Les. Um, yep. So I'm Lindsay Moore. I am a doula and a patient advocacy consultant, um, which basically is a, a fancy way of saying that I work with both individuals, families, um, as well as providers to really help people foster great communication. It's work that I got into uh, both as a birth doula and through uh, working in hospice, sitting with people as they transitioned out as well, um, and really seeing things all across the spectrum. Uh, it's become truly my my passion and my mission to help empower people towards getting the best healthcare that they possibly can. Yeah, I mean, your name came up and the work you do came up in an episode we did with Jessica Volant, and so I was like, oh my god, I have to have just have her on the show. And I I I know we talked a lot about Jessica's like about being an advocate for yourself in Jessica's episode, so y'all can go back and listen to that. We'll link in the show notes. But I was wondering, like because you've worked on it for on both sides, like I know you do talks with actual medical professionals and providers, and then also for patients. Um, what is the difference that you are seeing? And like, I guess that's a really broad question, but like, how does, how does like, if a patient is advocating for themselves, help the relationship between them and their doctor? Here's the great news. The doctor's got into this because they want to help people, right? Nobody goes to school for that long, like just for the money. They just don't. Well, and also um, what I keep hearing is that there isn't so because <laughs> they have so much student loans, but I don't know. <laughs> the difference, uh, that's a whole different podcast. Uh, <laughs> another interesting thing is having also worked with a healthcare technology company who uh, works very closely with insurance providers. Uh, they're also interested in getting clients the best care possible. It's from a different angle, right? But everybody involved here truly wants this to happen. Right? The doctors want you to ask questions. They want to help get you the care that you need. They are dealing with other pressures, right? Insurance companies may not be, um, you know, the most heart forward entity involved in this, but they also, generally speaking, have a vested interest in getting you the best care possible. Unfortunately, it is up to us as individuals to be the catalyst for that. It's up to us to ask those questions and to, to move the conversation forward. If we don't speak up, no one else is going to be advocating for us as hard as we are going to be advocating for ourselves. Right. And then so so then I guess the big question is, like, why do we inherently not like 
I feel like, <laughs> and maybe that's like the like the human <laughs> condition, but we can talk beyond healthcare as as well. But like, if women and people in general don't take like it's not that they don't take care of themselves, they are not taking the care of themselves to say, hey, I feel this way, and I don't feel seen and heard in this moment. Like, if we don't do that, and then we can't get the part where the the catalyst to go. So. What is it do you think or what is one of the things that you think keeps people from advocating for themselves? If we start out with just the healthcare piece, it really is specifically this idea of there's a term for it called white coat silence, uh, but it's it's power dynamic, right? We are socialized to believe that this person has my best interest at heart. They know way more than me. They're the expert. They're going to let me know what needs to happen. They're going to let me know what care I should be receiving. Um. So there's just inherent belief that there's a power dynamic. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of it, I think, that keeps us from speaking up. The other piece, I think, uh, is a real sense of people pleasing, right? As certainly a recovering people pleaser myself, I don't want to be seen as the squeaky wheel. I don't want to be seen as causing trouble or questioning or, you know, causing problems for somebody who seems very busy. Yeah. So I think there's a couple different factors at play, um, broadly speaking. Yeah. So that's interesting because it's like the doctors do care and they do want to help. And we think that they care so much that they'll just tell us if something's wrong. <laughs> and they're over here going, totally. no, I care when you tell me something's wrong. <laughs> right. And and I think there's also a thing where when you're an expert, you start hearing one thing and you say, oh, I've seen this a million times. I know what this is. They might be missing a nuance about your situation, your symptoms, your body. You are truly the expert on your own body. And so approaching those conversations uh, as as a collaborator. And I think changing the language that we use is really important, right? So as you know, we've been shifting towards going from calling uh, patients and doctors into providers and clients. If you're the client and you have a client mindset, uh, you know, as you mentioned in the episode with Jessica as well, you are paying for this in some capacity. You are paying for this service and they are providing that service to you. So that's a big way to go into it. And if you start looking at it as, hey, we are collaborating together. We are teammates in my health. That's a huge way to reduce some of those barriers to speaking up for yourself, even if you're worried about the people pleasing aspect. Yeah, I think um, it is interesting as you bring up people pleasing and like we don't want to be the person who's bothering someone. Oh, my God, they're so busy. And we do this not just with the doctors, but with the people in our life. And they're like. These are stories we're telling ourselves that are really keeping us from everything that we're wanting to have, not just our health, but like other things. No, you know what I mean? At like work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any of our goals, relationships. I mean, it, it, you really can take the skill set and expand it way out. Yeah. So um, so you you mentioned so with some people might not call themselves a people pleaser. Do you have I mean, this might not be in your scope, but like, do you have signs and symptoms that you are so that maybe someone who's like, I'm not, but like in a doctor's office specifically or in our healthcare, like what are some, what are some signs of people pleasing? Sure. Uh, So here's something that sometimes happens to me, even as somebody who does this for a living in the office, they might say, Hey, do you have any questions? And in that moment, I don't, but on the drive home, I think, Oh man, I really wish I'd mentioned this thing. Or I really wish I'd asked that question or, Oh, I feel kind of uncomfortable. I don't really want to go back. I don't feel like I was super listened to. If you're doing a post game and not happy with your experience, it's worth reflecting on, is that the right provider for you? It's also worth reflecting on what's on me, what's on me to speak up and what's on me to sort of, you know, pump my confidence up ahead of time. And that's part of it, right? We need to also believe that we deserve to have that care, that we deserve to be listened to, that we are an equal with our doctor. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, um, for me, that's just a small sign that you might want to take a look at, say, hey, is this something, even if I don't identify as a people pleaser, 
is this maybe an aspect of that that I'm struggling with right now? What an interesting, I like that a lot because I do think that a lot of people could probably resonate a little bit with that. Like you're like, you end up in the car afterwards, like, oh, this things. And then it transforms and transcends into everything else you're doing that day. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, but like, I think that is something y'all, that's a be it action earlier, you can actually think about. And if that is true, what is on you? And I, I like that a lot because it's so easy to blame the providers or, you know, or doctors. If you're not yet using that word, y'all, like, because it's like, oh, they didn't listen to me. They didn't do this. It's like, okay, what part of it did I have? Like in my recent experience where I was trying to, I was like, I've got my Lindsay training in my head. I'm ready to go. I've got my questions. Like I'm ready to go. And like every question I asked, she like just, <laughs> just was not like, and I was actually getting really angry because I was like, she's not even listening to me. And so then I would ask other questions or other follow-up questions to that. And I just became more and more frustrated with the whole situation. And which is probably better than like, sitting going, oh, I'm good. Everything's fine. I was just like, no, this isn't fine. This is the wrong provider for me. I literally came prepared <laughs> and I did all the things and I asked and I asked follow-up questions. And I think um, that is a better scenario to figuring out that someone is not a provider for you, not the right provider for you than a po- like the post game and knocking your answers and having to start all over again. Oh, 100% because you know that you've done your homework, right? You know that you did your part, you showed up, and if it's still not working, despite your best efforts, yeah, it's time to look at is the provider I want to continue a relationship with. I have a seven-month-old son, and unfortunately, I recently had to uh, fire a pediatrician who is a super nice guy. But every time I would come in and ask him a question, he would start his answer by saying, well, here's what I tell my daughter. Here's what I tell my daughter. And even if I went and asked follow-up questions back, um, that was still the the framework from which he was responding. And finally, I had to say to him, I'm not your daughter. I'm your collaborator in my son's health. And we need to start from there. The other thing that I love that you mentioned is that you got angry. I think uh, particularly as women, a lot of us are socialized that anger is not an okay emotion to express, particularly in uh, any kind of power dynamic. But anger is such a crucial clue for us that boundaries are getting crossed, Right. So it's a really great clue that something's off. And so to your point, that's a great moment to say, well, okay, well, why is this off? Maybe that's, maybe that's the post-game question. Why am I feeling angry if you're not sure why? Uh, but anger is such an important clue within our bodies to say something's not right. I want to investigate what that is. If you leave the doctor's office and you are having these post-game analysis where you're like, oh, I, didn't, I should have asked that. I could have asked that. Like that's a sign that you're maybe people-pleasing in this situation or you don't have the best provider to make you feel comfortable and seeing to say something, but also maybe you should prepare. And then on the flip side, if you had prepared, like in my case, and then you're finding yourself frustrated and angry, it's a sign that you're with the wrong provider. Do you have other signs that people can reflect on in themselves that may or may, that may show that they are not necessarily collaborating with their provider in a way that they could, or that they might need to reflect on and and pursue a different provider in their situation? I would say just some uh, kind of high-level behaviors that you might want to start noticing next time you're at your provider's office. Do they cut you off? Do they interrupt you, right? Are they able to reflect back what you've shared and have it feel accurate for you? Are they making eye contact or are they, you know, are they charting? Are they, they're rarely on their phone, but um, do you feel that they are, are making eye contact and truly listening to you? And if those really basic tenets of good communication aren't there, that's red flag number one for me. So let's establish that we're just speaking to each other as humans. 
and, and just generally speaking kind and respectfully. For me also, I think it's really important that when you leave that doctor's office, even if you're not angry, do you feel more or less anxious than when you went in? Because we don't want our providers to just sugarcoat things or just, you know, try to make us feel better unnecessarily. But at the same time, they should be providing some sense of direction, a way forward of what a next step might be, even if it's just let's revisit this in three months, right? Mm. This is so fascinating because all of these things I feel like are great for in a relationship with any human. <laughs> yes. Free, free, free couple <laughs> therapy on the pod today, guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, with friends, with uh, with partners, with family, with bosses, with workplaces, like these are um, y'all should write these questions down because like these are really great for evaluating any situation you're with people. Um, I'm wonder I'm wondering as you because you mentioned this and and forgive me if it's too personal, but like since you are going to be looking for a new pediatrician, like what are some things that you do um, as someone who has so much knowledge in this realm and has good practice in it? Um, for advocating, what are the things that you are looking for when you go to find a provider for yourself or for yourself? Here's the great thing. Uh, something that I've, a great tool that I've found for myself is that if I go into, onto my insurance carrier's website and I use my find a provider tool, most of the providers have little bios, right? Even if they're just short blurbs that say, not just where I went to school and where I, what I specialize in, but sometimes now they even say, uh, you know, a, a short value statement or sometimes you can kind of glean from uh, their resume, maybe what interest they might have. You know, was it a mental health care facility? Was it working with youth? Was it, um, you know, specializing in uh, trauma? There's lots of things I think when you start reading between the lines that for me, it also depends, of course, on what type of provider I'm looking for. But for me, I'm looking for somebody that is kind of dialed into more of a holistic approach. I want people that understand, you know, mental and emotional health is intrinsically tied to our physical health and should be treated as just important. Mm -hmm. So those are the things that I'm trying to look for. I think doing a little bit of research ahead of time is great. It's easy to fall down a rabbit hole. So we got to temper it. We only have so many hours in the day. But I think it also depends, again, on what type of provider you're looking for. For me personally, I just do feel a little bit more comfortable with another woman in most cases. Mm -hmm. um, I think for, and not to, not to overly generalize here, but I think a lot of women, maybe some of that inherent sense of power disparity can be lessened uh, if you're speaking with another woman, um, maybe more of a sense of a, a peer relationship, certainly not the case for everyone on either side of the point. Um, for me, that's something that I found personally to be true. Yeah. Well, I, I love this. It's like you, you basically are, I'm just going back to dating because it's, it's amazing, but like you're listening <laughs> to the dating profile of your provider. Totally. And, and so looking at the information you can glean and then using that to try them out. I think, um, especially in healthcare, it can be really interesting. Like they're like, this is your doctor. And I'm like, is it? I haven't met them yet. <laughs> I don't know. Do I want this person yet? I got to go find out. So I, and I think that could be part of that, like even like recovering people pleaser or someone who like lends that way. It's like, okay, well, this is the person I have to go to. And so, so thank you for sharing that. I had no idea that they're now putting like values out there. That's wonderful. Um, if they can, but I, I think it's a similar thing when you're looking for best friends, places to work at, people to date. It's like, what are the things that I need? What are like the things that I value higher on the list when doing this out? And like you mentioned, like it's you kind of would like it to be more of a female provider for for what you prefer. I think going back to what you said, like what is our ownership in that for advocating for ourselves? It's like knowing kind of the things are like these are 
less of a deal breaker, more of a deal breaker for me when I'm looking at and trying to narrow things down. Does that make sense? Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I love the correlation with, you know, looking through the dating profile of your provider, because that really is what we had the opportunity to do, particularly now that, um, you know, since pandemic, uh, telehealth is so much more accessible for uh, a lot of providers in ways that it wasn't even a couple of years ago. You know, it used to be a, a huge production to have to like find childcare, find transportation, go into the office. Sometimes you have to wait several weeks to get an appointment. Now it is so much easier to truly date your providers before you really have to settle on one. You know, you can have a telehealth consultation um, and, and test it out to see how you feel about it before you really commit to that in-office visit. And I think that's a great option for a lot of people. I love that. I, my, um, y'all, my dad is 70 and he was like, he's like, oh yeah, I found my doctor. And I'm like, oh, he's like, yeah, I used DocDoc. Like he yeah. just used <laughs> just used an app and he's like, oh yeah, I have a, I have a phone meeting with them. And it's like, <laughs> You do. So I think what's really cool is that more and more people of all ages are are finding that more accessible as well. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about like, what have you seen, if anything, or what do you know about if people don't advocate for themselves and their healthcare? Like, how how have you seen that affect them and what their their likely their livelihood is? There's actually a ton of data on this, uh, specifically when it comes to hospital stays. Um, it's something that I was just going over recently. When you look at people that have to stay in the hospital for 30 days or more, and then what happens in the 30 days after they leave. I mean, people that are not advocating for themselves, that do not also have allies, whether that's a partner, a family member, a caregiver, um, they are more likely to have falls. There's more likely to be issues with medication that's given to them, you know, errors in the medication. They're more likely to end up back in the hospital. Um, that's just one specific example, but it really applies more generally where if you're not advocating for yourself, if you are just accepting the care that you are being offered as opposed to the care that you are asking for or collaborating with your provider on, your health is going to suffer, right? You're going to miss things because you do need that provider's expertise. That is what they bring to the table. What you bring to the table is your expertise on your own body, but they do have a, a huge breadth of knowledge and experience. Something that might seem sort of insignificant to you might be a real red flag for them. So serious conditions that could be very easily treated if they're caught early. If they go unnoticed or if you're not speaking up about it because it doesn't seem like the biggest deal to you or you don't want to cause problems or, or it's embarrassing, right? All of a sudden, something that could be super treatable in the early stages can be much more serious if it's left longer until it becomes the biggest thing in the room. Mm, that is so interesting. I'm glad to hear that there's like data on that information, especially people with long stays because um. I think some people need to know that like, this isn't just like a thought that we're just like taking on and like applying to the whole rest of our lives. It is, there's, you know, evidence that shows that if you aren't advocating for yourself, your health suffers, which means, you know, life can end sooner or that it can keep you from being able to do things. I know for myself, if I am sick, nothing is creative in getting done <laughs> and I'm not a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> and then I don't like who I am. So then <laughs> And then it just snowballs from there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sick and I don't like who I am and I'm stuck with myself in a room. <laughs> so but so I mean quality of life, right? That's what you're describing. It's your quality of life is impacted. Even if your actual health is able to recover, what time are you losing in terms of the quality of it, in terms of your enjoyment, in terms of what you know goals you're able to accomplish? It suffers. Mm, yeah. And that's like, well, that's the whole reason why I wanted to talk to you. It's like, I, I have a lot of people who reach out to me and they're like, oh my gosh, I have all these ideas, but I've got like these things going on and it's always health related. 
It's, mm. well, it's not their health. It's someone in their life's health. And so I think it can be really easy for us to focus only on like, okay, this is the way to manifest, or this is the way to interview, or this is the way, this is the strategy for this email thing to make this work. But like, if your health is not at a, a place of optimal level, none of that stuff matters. You're not going to get it done. And, and if someone in your life who you care about, or you live with, um, if their health is not optimal, it's going to affect those things as well. So I think we, we tend to, like you mentioned in the, a moment ago, like something that's innocuous to us, well, it might not actually be, as you mentioned. And that, and like, because we're like, we can be so focused on like, I got to do this thing because that's the goal I had for myself when, when we forget that we're a whole person and we, our health is part of that. Yeah. And it's, it truly is the bedrock of self-care, literally self-care, right? Make sure that that foundation is solid so that you're able to go and thrive and, and go after those goals and enjoy your life as much as possible. And I think, you know, particularly for women, we often fall into the role of caretaker. I think there's a balance between trying to set our own boundaries when possible. And also, you know, that's a wonderful opportunity to help advocate. It's going to make that person's life better. It's going to make your life better. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's so good. I mean, y'all, don't we all want to have better quality of life? And like, it's not so simple as just advocating for yourself, but it is like, it's a start though. It's the start. And if this is a part where you find yourself or like your family struggling, then that's the work to be done right now, as opposed to like, you know, the next lead magnet or, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean? And listen, I think there's also, I know for me, oftentimes it can be really easy to just want to bury myself in work or just try to go after the next dream. And sometimes it's a way that we cover up dealing with something that, because let's be honest, sometimes dealing with health issues, it's scary. We don't always want to look at things. We might not want to speak up also, not because we don't feel that we're good enough, but because we're afraid that we know it's serious. And that's tough, man. That's that's the adult shit. <laughs> oh, that is so true. And it's like, I I mean, like I it's not y'all. I definitely have found myself going. I'm actually avoiding going to figure out what this is. <laughs> totally. I have too. <laughs> like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't have time for this. <laughs> yeah, because I like I don't want to deal with the emotions that's going to be around that information. <laughs> for sure. And you know what? I think also, you know, as we start as we get older and if you're somebody that is taking care of your parents too, I know that that can also be a struggle is trying to advocate for your parents because that's a switch in dynamic. Um, and that's something I think we luckily like newer generations are changing the relationship around that. But I think particularly for people in our parents' generation, um, that is a struggle, right? Like I would rather just ostrich and not know and maybe it'll get better. And maybe it'll be fine versus having to face the scary questions. Yeah. I think also the, you call it the white coat. White coat silence. Yeah. White coat silence. I feel like with our, with my parents and like even above them, that's definitely like the doctor said this and like that is. Yep. (laughs) And it's like God himself came down and said. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think, you know, for our generation, like there's absolutely a difference and like we can see that. And if you were, if you were raised that way, like this whole conversation could be like, yeah, guys, this is really, thanks for sharing it, but this is really hard for me. Absolutely. Or you can also be like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and we're like this stuck uh, generation where I hope that people younger than us are seeing this as like, it's quite normal. Like, I mean, imagine the world where you grow up and it is a client provider relationship versus like having to retrain yourself into mm-hmm. that mentality. And I think for the providers as well. For sure. And that's something that even as young as my son is, and I realize he's not, you know, fully re- registering what's going on. But to me, it's something that's on my mind every time that we do have to go to the pediatrician, right? How can I model for him 
the type of communication that we should be having, uh, you know, just how, how are we approaching the visit, right? We're not going to, we don't need to be fearful. Uh, we do need to ask our questions. We do need to make sure that, you know, we're having a good relationship with this person. They're here to help us and we got to pull our own weight. Mm. Well, Lindsay, you've like brought us like, we're advocating for ourselves. Then we're modeling for the children and people around us. And then we're, yeah, do it. we're guys, trying to figure their parents. <laughs> guys, do it. Just do it for the children. Yeah. <laughs> that's like that's like the things I, I I think about all things. I'm like, okay, this might not affect me, but it's going to affect the people after me. So I should be kinder. For sure. <laughs> I should do this thing over here. Wouldn't that be nice if we all thought that way? But, um, you know, I feel we, we've only, we touched the surface and we have some great things in here. But I might, like the thing that it keeps coming to this whole thing is you mentioned earlier, it's quality of life. And it's like, if we can advocate for ourselves in this very unique and sometimes uncomfortable situation, but it's so personal, it will, it's a muscle that will affect the rest of your life. And as you, as you mentioned in the study, when you don't do it, it affects the quality of your life. Absolutely. And I think we can even take these skills and apply them to our businesses, as you said, like to our personal relationships, our friendships, just approaching any conversation that you have the slightest whiff of anxiety about or just questions about. And if you can sort of, even if it's just five minutes in the car on the way there, take your time to say, okay, what do I want out of this situation? What do I need out of this conversation? How am I going to approach this? What's the most proactive, positive, collaborative way that I can have this difficult conversation? And I think you're really going to start to see other areas of your life start to skyrocket as well. Mm. Beautiful. I love this all so much. Thank you, Lindsay. Um, we're going to take a brief break and then find out where people can learn more from you. All right, loves. It's super important to me that supplements I take are of the highest quality. And that's why for three years, I've been drinking AG1. Unlike many supplement brands, AG1 is constantly searching for how to do things better. At 52 iterations of their formula and counting, their team is always trying to find better ways to source, test, and aim to find the best quality ingredients available. I love this so much, guys, because so many people think I have to get it right the first time, and they have done 52 different iterations. I freaking love that. So many people have asked me if AG1 is actually the real deal. I really do drink it, and trust me, there's a reason why I've been drinking it for so long. Quality for AG1 isn't just a buzzword. It's a commitment backed by expert-led scientific research, high-quality ingredients, industry-leading manufacturing, and rigorous Testing. At each step of the process, AG1 goes above and beyond industry standards. I know I can trust what's in every scoop of AG1 because it's tested for 950 contaminants and banned substances, while the industry standard typically only tests for 10. Holy moly. I know that like I'm a recovering overachiever over here, but I'm super glad AG1 isn't. Okay, so taking care of my health shouldn't be complicated and AG1 simplifies this by replacing multiple health supplements like multivitamins, digestive aids, immune support, and more in just one simple scoop. It's literally just one scoop. It's one scoop in one bottle of water. It's amazing. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality, and I love that every scoop also includes prebiotics, probiotics, and digestive enzymes for gut support. Y'all know I've had gut stuff, so that's why I've been doing it for so long. I've partnered with AG1 for so long because they make such a high quality product that I genuinely look forward to drinking every day. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash be it. That's drinkag1.com slash B-E-I-T. Check it out. Lindsay, where do you hang out? Do you coach people on this? We have a course on profitapplies.com, y'all, that she um, was so amazing at teaching all of our 
um, agency members how to advocate for themselves, but how to teach their clients how to advocate for themselves. Um, is there anything else that people can find resources with you? Yeah, of course. Um, I would head over to my website, which is helloharmonia.com. I'm also on Instagram at helloharmonia and uh, my personal account, Lindsay C. Moore. That's the best way to connect with me. As far as services, yep, I've got a great course on Profitable Pilates that I'd love for people to check out if you're interested in learning more about advocating uh, for yourself and others. I also do uh, private client work, consulting, uh, and workshops. So please go ahead and check that out on my website and get in touch if you have any questions. Amazing, amazing. Okay, before I let you go, be it action items people can take. I know you gave people a lot of calls to action, but any um, thing that's bold, executable, intrinsic or targeted steps people can take to be it till they see it. For sure. I would say, listen to your post game. How are you feeling? Do you feel anxious? Do you feel angry? What's going on in your body? What's that telling you about what you need to change moving forward? I'd also say, adopt your client mindset. You are the client. They're providing you a service. And how can you collaborate with them to have the best experience possible? Mm, beautiful. Those are easily, well, not easily, but you can write those down and you can actually take action with those things in your next visit um, with your providers, y'all. Um, I hope that you understand that I can give you all the tools in the entire world to do anything you want to do. But if you don't take care of you and you're not advocating for you, um, it they're all just tools in a tool bag. They're not going to actually have the effect that when you are like really taking ownership of yourself and making sure that you're feeling seen and heard in your healthcare. Um, it all goes together. We're not compartments of people. So Lindsay, thank you so much for helping us understand that, for giving these amazing tools. You are a wonderful human being doing massive things in this world. And I'm just so grateful that I get to know you in my life. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was so nice to chat with you. All right, everyone. How are you going to use these in your life? Are you going to use these beta action items? When is your next appointment? No, I'm kidding. You don't have to tell me that. But <laughs> but please make sure you take these notes and put them in your calendar as a reminder before your next appointment and share this episode with a friend. Some of you are like, I don't know how to do that on the um, on like the interwebs. And you can actually tell our team where you listen to podcasts and where you want to share this. And we can actually help you because it's complicated between the platforms. We do want to make it easier for you to help your friends um, learn the things that you're learning that you want them to. Cause I'm sure some of you are like my friend needs to listen to my mom needs to listen to this. Well, let's help you make sure that they can do that. And until next time, be it till you see it. That's all I got for this episode of the be it till you see it podcast. One thing that would help both myself and future listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a review and follow or subscribe for free wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, make sure to introduce yourself over at the Be It Pod on Instagram. I would love to know more about you. Share this episode with whoever you think needs to hear it. Help us and others be it till you see it. Have an awesome day. Be It Till You See It is a production of Bloom Podcast Network. It's written, produced, filmed, and recorded by your host, Leslie Logan, and me, Brad Crowell. Our associate producer is Amanda Fratarelli. Kevin Perez at Desenio handles all of our audio editing. Our theme music is by Ali at Apex Production Music, and our branding by designer and artist, Gianfranco Chofi. 
Special thanks to our designer, Mesh Herico, for creating all of our visuals, which you can't see because this is a podcast. And our digital producer, Jay Pedroso, for editing all the video each week so you can't. And to Angelina Herico for transcribing each episode so you can find it on our website. And finally, to Meredith Kroll for keeping us all on point and on time. my coffee lovers i got something for you and i know most of you are coffee lovers because if you're listening to this you have lots of things you're doing and coffee is something that you are taking with you everywhere you go in fact i know the plaza instructors around here are taking coffee kombucha tea and water into every class that they take so this one is amazing because this is pure cafe bold they have two options for you they've got black coffee and then they've got a caramel coffee latte which is amazing and here's why it's amazing it's pre-brewed so it comes in this amazing little packet and you can actually just take the packet into your office, your work on a plane like we've been doing, and then you pour hot water in and boom, you've got coffee. And this coffee actually has some amazing stuff. It's not just regular coffee. This coffee supports your immune system. It boosts cognitive function, increases stamina, it reduces stress, and it has cordyceps. And what are cordyceps, you ask? Oh, that's right, Brad's here. Nature's powerful secret energizer, a rare, species of fungi cordyceps is renowned for its invigorating properties and centuries old use in traditional medicine packed with essential nutrients this natural adaptogen boosts stamina and supports overall well-being and seriously it's actually super simple to make leslie and i have taken it camping yeah i'll use it in the afternoon we're taking it everywhere because i'm tired of conferences and different hotels having burnt coffee it's a thousand times better than the terrible coffee that you get on an airplane and the black coffee is like less than a dollar a packet. So it's like, it's really kind of amazing. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a big fan of the caramel myself. He the does caramel like has it. a little bit of, uh, of milk in it. So. It has some dairy, so my dairy-free peeps, you, you can't do the caramel, but you can do the black, right? Yeah, the black coffee is vegan, keto, gluten-free, non-GMO, nut-free, dairy-free, fat-free, and CGMP compliant. All right, so here's the deal. You need to go to beitpod.com slash coffee. B-E-I-T-P-O-D dot com slash coffee. And when you do that, you are going to be able to get some amazing coffee that we're loving. You can buy it as a one-time purchase, or you can actually get it as a subscription. There's even family packs. So if you know that you've got a lot of coffee drinkers in your household, this is amazing. And it's honestly cheaper than all the coffees we've been making at home. So we are so excited. I hope you are. Go to beatpod.com slash coffee. And, you know, cheers to you and I. Every morning, we'll be drinking the same coffee together. Woo!